What's up, everybody? Welcome to an impromptu episode of Can I Comment? What's up? Impromptu in the sense that we decided this morning we were going to record <laughs> this. Um, what's going on? You know, just uh, wrapping up Easter sermon. Easter sermon prep. What do you preach about on Easter? Ooh, I'm preaching about sin. There you go. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, so... We're going to talk about a couple different things today. We're going to talk about Elon Musk yep. and is he trying to buy Twitter? Is he trolling? So have you heard about this Elon Musk thing? I did hear about it. I heard about it last week, right? When he bought like yeah. nine point something percent of the company. Yeah. So it's been like a weird back and forth. He announces he bought nine percent of the company. Right. Uh, then a couple of days later, the CEO. Which is that makes him what? The largest, the largest shareholder. Yeah. The largest shareholder. Right. Um. He then, the CEO of Twitter... Wait, like, pause. Can, can you just, like, go on Robinhood and buy nine? No. Like, how no. does that work? <laughs> you you can't. So, basically, you're going on private... That's a whole different... Because okay. if someone Great. bought that much at one time, it would affect the stock price. It's a whole Got process okay. for someone to Got buy it. that. There's rules and regulations much. for this. Yeah, rules and regulations. Right. And then just... I don't, I don't understand all of it, but yeah, it's not just like going on right. and, okay. and it wasn't like a surprise Twitter. I just bought 9% of yeah, your company. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They would have been alerted. The board would have known whatever. So, um, then the CEO tweets out that Elon Musk is, is going to join the board of Twitter. Got it. Uh, and the, the max amount of the company he can own is about 14%. The so maximum amount that Elon can, can own, own is 14. 14%. 14%. So the idea was. Just if he joins the board of Twitter, he can't um, set up any kind of like hostile takeover because that's initially what the board was worried about, right? Because if you can gather up enough shares to command board seats and to get uh, a majority of the company in ownership, you can do whatever you want, right? Right. Um, it's basically what happened in season one of Succession. Great show. Similar, yeah. Um, so. This is apparently going to happen. A week goes by. He spends the weekend basically just, Elon does, tweeting out changes he thinks should be made. With He's at, like taking polls, right? Like taking questions. polls. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is hilarious. We should look at some of those. Mm -hmm. Like Elon Musk. I don't have the Twitter app, so I have to Google Elon uh, Musk Twitter for his Twitter to come up. You have it, right? Yeah. Um, he basically was asking like... Let me scroll down because he's been... He's an avid... Well, the tweet. first thing he said was... This is hilarious. The first thing he said was... Most of... Uh, someone said the top 10 most... Someone tweeted uh, an account, the World of Statistics, tweeted the top 10 most followed Twitter accounts. Barack Obama, Justin Bieber, Katy Perry, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga. Elon Musk is number eight. Elon Musk retweeted it and said, most of these top accounts tweet rarely and post very little content. Is Twitter dying? Question mark. So that's one thing he tweets. And of course, that sets off a lot of stuff about free speech. He asked about the Twitter edit button, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a feature that people have been wanting. It's actually been like a very controversial topic. Mm -hmm. Should we have an edit button or not? Should we like edit a tweet after you've posted it? Yeah. And the whole point, like Twitter's whole point is, yeah, but if it's a tweet that goes viral, if I retweet a tweet. Right. And then five days later or a year later, somebody goes and edits that. 
Oh, God. That then indirectly, you know what I mean? Right. So it's sort of like, anyways. So he's going back and forth. And then as of today. And then, well, no. So then it comes out that, okay, now he's not going to join the board. Oh, okay. So the CEO releases this, another email saying, change of plans, he's not going to join the board. Then a few days later, this morning, everyone wakes up to the news that Elon um, basically makes a $43 billion bid for Twitter. Essentially, he tweets out, I made an offer, dot, 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 and linked it to the SEC. So essentially what he's now offering is that um, he made a $43 billion bid for Twitter. That is essentially an offer of $54.20 per share. Which, which is, is like, a veiled marijuana reference, 420. Got it. Which is what he always makes jokes about, right? And there's a whole history of that with him. Um, right now, Twitter shares are at $45 a share. Basically, the whole internet explodes right. this morning yeah. over this. What this does is this forces Twitter to decide what are we going to do about this? Are we stuck? Because what he wants to do is take the company private. Got it. So there's this kind of this big back and forth. But basically, everyone's speculating, why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Everything he's tweeted says he's doing it for, for free speech, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like the way they've been censoring all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And so people are trying to say, is, th- is this why he's doing it? Mm-hmm. Is he really willing to spend $48 billion? Right. So to give you an idea of what that looks like, I saw a tweet today. For someone with his net worth. Mm-hmm. Which is what, like $100 billion? I think it's almost two. 200 billion. It would be similar to someone whose net worth is a million dollars buying like a $165,000 G Wagon. So if you want to look Isn't at Isn't it more than that? Because if it's like, oh, I'm so bad at math. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'll go with I'm it. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. Um, so it's a, it's a big deal. So yeah. there's all kinds of speculation why he's doing it. But of course, the free speech right. argument has come up. Been a huge part of it. Again, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So the question then becomes, um, most Christians and most theologically conservative people that I see on Twitter are all for this. Like mm-hmm. Elon has struck a chord. Christians have been loving talking about free speech a lot over the last year. Mm-hmm. So the question then becomes, should Christians desire free speech? Should we care about free speech? What do we believe about the right to free speech? Mm-hmm. And then if we believe that to be true for us, mm-hmm. does that mean we believe that to be true for everybody? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the back and forth argument is, oh, well, the conservatives or the Christians, they want free speech when it matters to them, mm-hmm. but they don't want free speech when it's something that they don't agree with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I guess the question is, what should a Christian's thought be on free speech? Should we have any thought about it at all? Mm-hmm. Does the Bible say anything about it? Mm-hmm. And what should we, what should we think? Well, I think that uh, free speech is incredibly valuable and it's it's the absolute bedrock to a society like ours. Mm-hmm. And my belief is certainly that everybody should be permitted to have the same right to free speech. Mm-hmm. I think free speech is a granted right. Like you could live in places that don't have free speech, you know? And so it's not our right as just a human being. Well, I don't know. I'm, yeah, that's. I guess that's a philosophical question, but I think it's... Um, it's certainly necessary if we're going to have the kind of society that we do have. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yes, I, I think that free speech is something that should be protected. Uh, I think that Christians should be allowed the right to free speech. And I think that people of all different 
backgrounds in, in America should have that same right. Mm -hmm. I think the, the issue for Christians before, um, even more deeper than desiring free speech, Christians should desire courage mm -hmm. because whether or not we are permitted to say true things, mm -hmm. we should have the courage to say true things mm -hmm. because free speech is, you know, you might be legally allowed to say something right. or legally disbarred, mm -hmm. barred from saying something. Mm -hmm. I would say either way, when something true needs to be said, Christians must desire the courage to say the true thing. It's like the apostles in the book of Acts, right? Mm -hmm. Don't speak the name anymore. What are we supposed to do? Do we listen to you or do we listen to God? Mm -hmm. You decide, Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're, we're going to listen to God. Mm -hmm. So Christianity from its very inception has a heritage of regardless of whether or not they are permitted to say certain things, they will say certain say things. Mm -hmm. um, and because we believe that truth liberates, mm -hmm. truth sets free. And when we are not allowed to speak the truth and we go along with that, that holds people in captivity. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about free speech, we, we mean free speech for Christians, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But we also mean free speech for anybody. Mm -hmm. So a, a lot of what's being said is, oh, and it, it's tough because a lot of this gets muddied in the Christian slash conservative mm -hmm. conversation, mm -hmm. right? Like Christians aren't being denied free speech right now necessarily. Like mm -hmm. you can say whatever you want to say about Jesus, whatever you want to say about God, mm -hmm. and no one's pulling your Twitter account down, right? <laughs> It's when it crosses over into what is the more political. Well, the fact is, is that we live in a society where everything is political. Right. That, that's what happens when, when you live in a, a society that is grounded in moral relativism, mm -hmm. which America is, then what happens is you have competing truths. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if we're going to say that my truth is the same as your truth in terms of its inherent truthfulness, because it's subjective, not objective, then that means all truth has to have its day in court. Mm -hmm. All truth has to be protected. Mm -hmm. And so that's what gets us to a place uh, of where we're at now, where some truth has started to be deemed harmful. Mm -hmm. So Christian truth in a lot of situations is deemed harmful. Um, you know, what the Bible teaches about gender and sexuality mm -hmm. and all things like that. And so eventually you could get to a place where because Christianity is, is inherently objective and it makes transcendent truth claims, it becomes a threat to the higher value of our society, which is that all truth is equal. Mm -hmm. And so I could see a world where free speech is mm -hmm. taken away. Yeah. Simply because the things that Christians uh, have a opinion on as truth are no longer just deemed as like wrong. They're deemed as harmful, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, what about someone that says, oh, the Christians want free speech, but then they get mad and protest at Disney for Disney pushing an LGBTQ mm -hmm. agenda? Mm -hmm. I know it's not the same because most Christians aren't saying they should be silenced. Mm -hmm. um, should Christians, if, if Christians want to receive the right of free speech, mm -hmm. should they be more tolerant isn't the word, but should they maybe less outraged and less intimidated when other people use their free speech mm -hmm. to push ideologies that we deem as harmful? It's a tricky thing, right? Because you're talking about um, 
So like on the transgender subject, mm -hmm. you're talking about uh, encouraging children towards um, operations that are going to permanently change their bodies, mm -hmm. right? That's that's the the goal there mm -hmm. is like we, we want to make that. Um, and this, by the way, it's not just Disney. I mean, this was, didn't Joe Biden... I'm gonna find this. Yeah, they this the White House put he, out a um yeah. I think it's basically just like a an endorsement of the idea that um what do they call it? Gender affirming care, I think is the technical term. Yep. Should yeah, be allowed. Uh Biden admin endorses sex change surgery and hormone therapy for children. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not just um a company. It's our government that mm -hmm. is saying we are we we're behind this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And potentially uh, to the degree that if you as a parent try to stand in the way of your child's desire to pursue those kinds of things, you then become the the enemy. You become the criminal in mm -hmm. that in that regard. So ideas are not without consequences. Mm -hmm. Just because we believe in the right to say something does not mean that everything is said is something that should be received, celebrated, and acted upon. Mm -hmm. Some ideas need to be completely and totally defeated. Mm -hmm. There are lots of things that can be said that does not make them a good idea. And so free speech is one thing, but speech is grounded in ideology and ideology takes action. Mm -hmm. And so that's where these things become a huge consequence. Right. So it's not that I, as a Christian, don't believe in somebody's right to say what they think about gender or what they think about any subject under the sun. Mm -hmm. It's just that I believe. Uh, in objective truth. And uh, I believe that there are good ideas and there are bad, bad ideas. Mm -hmm. And some ideas need to be like, uh, I like to watch Shark Tank. So to use the words yep. of Mr. Wonderful, they need to be taken out behind the shed and shot like right. the idea. And, and that's the thing, right? Oftentimes when it comes to uh, engaging in these kinds of dialogues, we have an inability to, uh, to delineate between attacking an idea and attacking a person. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in attacking a person, but mm -hmm. I do believe in attacking bad ideas mm -hmm. because, again, ideas have consequences. Mm -hmm. And with this example, we're talking about huge consequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were telling me just recently about there's entire Twitter accounts, yes. ironically, mm -hmm. Twitter accounts that are dedicated to people who have detransitioned from mm -hmm. their sex change mm -hmm. and talking about. Yeah, it's a whole movement. It's a whole it's movement, a whole movement. Yeah. filled with remorse mm -hmm. about the damage that this has permanently done to their bodies. Mm -hmm. Because somebody was uh, too cowardice mm -hmm. to come to them and say, this desire that you have is not a healthy desire right. and should not be acted upon. Mm -hmm. How can a Christian attack an idea without attacking a person? Like, don't use denigrating language about Don't the person. Don't lose denigrating, but yeah, yeah. right. But we, I guess the, what I'm trying to say, the, the truth is, is now we live in a world where attacking an idea is the equivalent of attacking Well, because you so, are your ideas. So it would seem like but, that well, Christians are only going to be um, uh, accused more and more of attacking Yes, because someone's feelings is their identity. Idea. Right. It, it is It is that that dilemma in which we identify ourselves from what we feel and think within, mm -hmm. whereas Christians believe that identity is granted by God. Right. Um, and it's something that we, that is external to us, that we uh, are, are conformed to mm -hmm. through the cross. Um, and 
Today, though, identity is not like that. It's, it's in reverse. And so when you attack an idea, often it is perceived as attacking a person. Right. And that's why if a Christian attacks an idea, a lot of times the attack that comes back at them is quite denigrating because of, of this very reason that we, we, we don't discern the difference between an idea and an identity. Um, now, all of this has to be put in, in context. We're talking about something, Twitter is what mm-hmm. launched this discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So if Twitter is a private company, my initial feeling is that Twitter should be allowed the right to determine what can and cannot be said on their platform. Right. I guess my, my own, if I were to play devil's advocate against that own statement, the question then becomes, is there a point where an organization becomes large enough and influential enough mm-hmm. that the same benefits that are granted to private companies no longer apply? Right. And I think that there's certainly a case that can be made for that. Because mm-hmm. you are talking about platforms that, shape society exactly and i think that's what for a lot of people that aren't on twitter or don't understand twitter what i think is lost on a lot of people is that when it comes to news politics journalism and business twitter is the center of the communication universe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the person that's not into those things Mm -hmm looks at Twitter as just this like the smaller of the social networks. It's just a bunch of people on, but like mm-hmm. what it really is, is it's, it kind of guides the discourse in culture. Yeah. Probably more than anything else. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not favorable to any, anything that goes against the kind of the mainstream social imagination. Right. Mm-hmm. So like recently, um, was it the Babylon Bee got their Twitter account? Mm-hmm. What was that for? Something gender related, I think. Yeah, they had made a statement mm-hmm. that was uh, a biblical statement, mm-hmm. and they were told if you delete the tweet, we'll reinstall your yep. reinstate your account, and they've refused to do mm-hmm. that. And I, again, that's the courage thing, right? Right. I think that's really, really important that Christians have courage right now, um, because whether or not, you know, again, we're talking about something in in the ecosystem of of Twitter, whether or not that broadens out to society at large in terms of like legality about the the things that we would say in regards to a lot mm-hmm. of issues um whether or not that happens you're still going to need courage mm-hmm. and i think that's that's what christians are are trading in now mm-hmm. is how courageous are we willing to be right and and we can be and we can have that courage in a smart intelligent mm-hmm. but kind kind way I, someone sent me this quote yesterday and i don't know who it's from so but it it was it was basically an example of what what we don't want to be, which essentially says opposition makes humanitarians forget the liberal virtues they claim to uphold. They become petulant, self-righteous, intolerant in the heart of political controversy. Mm-hmm. They find it impossible to conceal their contempt for those who stubbornly refuse to see the light. Mm-hmm. Those who, quote, just don't get it in the self-satisfied jargon. We can speak truth. Mm-hmm. We can we can bring our perspective. We can't become petulant, self-righteous and mm-hmm. intolerant. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a way to do it in a way that is kind and loving in motive. Yeah. There's always going to be a point where if an idea is so dangerous and so damaging that you are always going to be perceived as intolerant. Mm-hmm. I, I think the role of the role of Christianity, if I understand the Great Commission correctly, and there are differing views on this. Um, so I'm... Uh, to me, so much of this stuff comes back to eschatology. Uh, my position is amillennial. That means that I don't see, I don't see the 
the Christianization of the world happening at a global level from the top down. Right. Um, As a prelude to Jesus returning. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That would be something called postmillennialism. So Jesus coming back after uh, what Revelation 20 describes as like a millennial mm -hmm. reign. Who would be like a theologian that would be in amillennial versus postmillennial. So Sam Storms, who we had on the podcast, mm -hmm. um, is amillennial. David Campbell, who's a huge influence in my life, is mm -hmm. amillennial. Um, Douglas Wilson is postmillennial. Mm -hmm. And there, but even within these views, um, there are different views on on details. So like not every postmillennialist is as extreme as it sounds. Like Douglas Wilson's position, as far as I understand, is not it's not like some hostile takeover of Christianity. Right. Um, it's it's like leaven in the dough. Mm -hmm. It's it's the seed planted yeah. in the garden. It's not uh, like mounting up and preparing for war. No. It's building the kind of society we believe is ultimately the best way of creating Correct. human flirtation. Which happens through which happens through the transformation of human hearts mm -hmm. through the preaching of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so the difference would be uh, in my amillennialism, I believe that our our call is the same. It's the preaching of the gospel, the transformation of human hearts. It's just that I'm more pessimistic in, about the outcome. Right. And you're more <laughs> pessimist, pessimistic about the outcome and you don't believe it is a requirement to be done and for Christ to, come back. Christ to come back. Correct. Those yeah. would be the two differences. The, the, two, the two. two major differences for sure. Now, in saying that, I'm not pessimistic in general. I just, I, what I don't see in the scripture, like when I read the book of Revelation and you have this like, this cyclical description of like the way the world operates in relation to the church. Mm -hmm. I don't see uh, a gradual increase in acceptance. Mm -hmm. I see kind of a constant tension. Um, and I think we're lit, we're experiencing that tension right now. We're feeling that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and if I were to take it a step further, when it comes to like how we interact with the world about what is truth, I think God is invested in that. God's involved in that. Mm -hmm. um, from, from what I can tell, biblically speaking, God is in the process right now in the church age of, of judging the world. Like he renders judgment for the sinfulness of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and as we know, like David Campbell has said that he viewed COVID as one yep. of those judgments. Mm -hmm. um, and it's even interesting, like, looking at what's going on with inflation right now. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, I think it's like the third or fourth seal judgment um, starting in, in Revelation chapter six uh, is uh, essentially inflation and, mm. um, and the famine that comes along. So like, and I'm not saying like, this is one of those yes. things. This is not I'm a prophetic, you're not no, making a I'm prophetic not saying that. I'm just saying cyclically, this is the yep. stuff that goes on throughout the church age. Yep. And it affects both believers and unbelievers. Mm -hmm. The, the point of the judgment is twofold. It's to refine the church. It's to bring, wake them up out of a place of their complacency and back into like, oh, mm -hmm. let's not be of the culture. Let's be Christians. Let's belong to God. Um, and the other aspect of the judgment, as far as I can see, is that it hardens unbelievers further into unbelief. It, it either brings them to a place of repentance where they recognize that God is true or they just get hardened into their unbelief even mm -hmm. further. And so I say that to say that Christians are going to engage in all this cultural stuff and it matters. It has implications. It affects the way we live our lives. It affects the world that our kids grow up in. Mm -hmm. It affects all of that. Like I, we, we can't be naive about the fact that there are consequences to the idea of my kid going to school and having 
curriculum taught to them that teaches them untruth, mm -hmm. that teaches them lies mm -hmm. about uh, our identity as mm -hmm. humans. I mean, we have, uh, my wife met with a woman here in LA who's in our church, mm -hmm. spent a lot of years working for the public school system here. Mm -hmm. And I may have some of the details here wrong, but there's an, a certain age and it's something like kindergarten or first grade where they are, they are asking kids to rate on a scale how male or female mm -hmm. they feel, mm -hmm. both physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is the thing, right? Like I regard that as demonic. That, that's where it all nets out to for mm -hmm. me is I don't think ideologies are not spiritually neutral. Mm -hmm. They are either, they're either stemming from thoughts born in the mind of God or they're stemming from demonic mm -hmm. doctrine. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think Christians need to be relentless. Mm -hmm. Like our, our role is to overcome the powers of darkness. Right. And so that's when I think of engaging in these kinds of things, it is very spiritual to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, a, a lot of times with some of these subjects, it can be misconstrued as, as a Christian being political. But again, to my point earlier, when all truth is equal, everything becomes political. Because if something is indeed true, mm -hmm. that means it deserves the right to be abided by. It is, it, you know, you mm -hmm. understand what I'm mm -hmm. trying to say? Mm -hmm. And to transgress it is to trans transgress truth and to uh, denigrate somebody's very identity as who they are. And so um, it, it's a very sticky thing, but, but we have to understand that um, the world is is not neutral in regards to where it gets its ideas from, and Satan plays a role across all different systems. And it's it's not even just uh, on the left; like this stuff does happen on the, on right, the right as well. As well. Like yeah. where where Christians go wrong is we fail to recognize that the devil can be at work in any system mm -hmm. at all times, and so we have to be really, really wise and really discerning and courageous enough to speak the truth about any and all things. Can I comment? Yeah. Can I comment? We'll uh, I continue doing these from time to time and uh, hit us up with any questions, thoughts, email us mw at vast.faith. What do you want to hear us talk about? What do you think we're right about? What do you think we're wrong about? And we'll see you next time. Uh, you really mustn't, darling. I...